23 and from verse 26. Luke chapter 23, verse 26. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. It's Good Friday. 
how time flies, doesn't it? It's what, the 14th of April? It is, yeah. You know, it's almost two years since my brother Reg was taken from us. And I miss him. I miss his perspective in life. For those who don't know Reg, Reg was a battler, a real battler in the sense of the word. He struggled with health, physical health, mental health, and certainly spiritual health. Reg became a recluse and he distanced himself from people. And when things became really desperate, uh, we got him to see a psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist, true to his word, saw Reg right. And Reg got better. He started to visit us as a family again. And I remember sharing with him a story you can find in the Old Testament. It's a story found in 1 Samuel 16. The people of Israel were in desperate times. Uh, The Lord had rejected Saul as their king and there was much unrest in the land. And Samuel was grieving. He was the prophet. And the Lord said to Samuel, Samuel, fill up your jar of oil and go over to Bethlehem to the household of Jesse and anoint the next king. And Samuel says, I don't think so. They'll kill me. But the Lord said, Samuel, you just go and tell them to prepare a sacrifice to the Lord. Take a heifer with you and do that. And so Samuel goes and he has his jar of oil in his hand. And he walks across the countryside rather begrudgingly. And when he approaches Bethlehem, the people of the town see him. He is the prophet, they say. And they yell out to him, do you come in peace? And Samuel says, yes, I come in peace. Prepare yourselves for a sacrifice to the Lord. And Jesse, you come with your family and with all your sons. And so that's what happens. They sacrifice to the Lord. And Samuel says, we are not going to sit down and eat the sacrificial meal until I anoint the next king. And it's from the, ha- from the family of Jesse. And so Jesse prays his oldest son in front of Samuel. And Samuel thinks, surely this is the anointed one. And he's about to pour the jar of oil on his head when the Lord says, Samuel, you look on the outside. I look on the inside. I look at the heart. I have rejected him. And so he has Jesse parade all his sons and the Lord rejects them all. And Samuel is prompted to ask Jesse, do you still have more sons? And Jesse goes, oh, that's right. There's David in the back paddock looking after the sheep. Samuel says, go and fetch him. We're not sitting down 
and eating this meal until we anoint the next king. Now, you can imagine the situation. Here they are, all dressed up in their finest, got their smellies on, all having done the sacrificial thing. And here comes David from the back paddock, smelling like sheep shit. And, David, and Jesse, uh, Samuel says, him. The Lord says, him. He's the anointed one. And when Reg heard that story, he was moved by it. He was relieved. Reg wasn't the most kept person, but it was important to him not so much what other people thought of him, but how the Lord saw him. And he moved on in life, Reg. He grew in his faith and never let a chance go by of sharing what is important in life. He would come and visit often. I still hear the truck, that small truck he used to drive, come up the driveway and those telephone calls once, twice, three times a week. And we would talk life. Talk about music, but we talk about life. The brokenness of it all, but most importantly, we spoke about the great hope that we've got. You know, often he would conclude our talks, and they weren't long, and he would say this, Remember, Ben, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And I miss that from him. I miss it. This is the trouble in life, isn't it? All of us. Um, Carl alluded to it in his prayer. We all want to be first in life. You know? Advertising bombards us with that. Don't miss out. Get in early. Get first. You know? To have the best seats in the house. You know, to go first class. We all struggle with it. I want the biggest helping of ice cream. (laughs) It's us. The first shall be last and the last shall be first are the words of Jesus. Do you know that? Reggie quoted Jesus. And Jesus in his earthly life was confronted with that day in, day out. And he challenged people about that. You know the story of the rich young ruler who comes up to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, keep the commandments. And he says, I've done that since I was a boy. And Jesus says, you lack one thing. Because Jesus knows the heart of everybody. You lack one thing. Go and sell everything you have and come and follow me. I want to be first. It's true, isn't it? And so Jesus goes through his earthly ministry challenging those around him. And if you read the four Gospels, you'll read that he knew their heart. He knew what they were thinking. He knew what their motivation was. 
what their agenda was. Even with his disciples. John and Peter came up to him. Which of us are going to sit on your right hand? You know, I want to be first. And Jesus said, you do not know what you're asking. And so Jesus confronts the people all around him every day. Now you can either do one or two things. You either believe and acknowledge who Jesus is and surrender your life to him or you have it in for him. Dismissing from your life or as you can read in the Gospels, plan to kill him because you can't stand to hear what he says about himself and about you. And that's what happened, didn't they? They went out of their way to try and kill him. Nothing's changed today, friends. We live in a society that's so broken and people want to remove God from their lives. You know what society does? They do this. That's what they do. The arrogance of it all. There's no God, Ben. You know what God says? Go for it. Live a life without me. Do it your way then. And what have we got? What have we got? We've got a broken world, haven't we? No matter where you look, no matter where you go, the world's broken. You know, in our own lives, in the lives of our neighbours, in our community, in our church, even. That they would throw chemical bombs on people. And yet, God in his grace still does this and extends his hand out and says, have you worked it out yet? Have you worked it out? I know you. I created you. I know what you think. But above all, I know your deepest need. Trust me. It's a big invitation, friends. The people in Jesus' day continued in their defiance of him. And we read it in the passage this morning, didn't we? They hurled insults at him. They abused him, both physically, mentally and spiritually. Come off the cross if you're the Christ. And as Jesus is hanging on the cross and he listens to the insults 
how they deride him. What does he do? He prays. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. And what does his heavenly father do? He answers the prayer of his only begotten son. And he opens the way of salvation. We read it in that passage, didn't we? The Roman centurion said, surely he was a righteous man. And those thieves on the cross, those criminals, and one, you know, would, would deride Jesus. You know, come off the cross and take us off as well. And the other rebukes him. Listen, mate, we, we deserve what we got. Not, not him. Remember me, Lord. And he does. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And God answers that prayer. Friends, the question is, have you surrendered? Have you repented? And have you experienced the forgiveness of the Heavenly Father? This is serious stuff, friends, because this is the Good Friday message. Have you repented? Have you experienced the love of the Father? And have you seen the significance of Jesus dying on that cross, spilling his precious blood? Does that stir you? And motivate you. I trust that it has. Many, we are told, as you read the scriptures, came to faith afterwards, even those who planned to kill him. Friends, this is amazing grace that the Father would forgive. Jesus became last. That for all those who believe would be first. At the end of the passage, and just before Jesus dies, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Friends, they are the words of a believer. Trusting in a heavenly father who knows exactly what's going on. Have you done the same? Have you committed your spirit, your soul, your all into the hands of a loving father who wants to shower you with love and with mercy and with forgiveness? The gospel is a simple message. I trust that you think it through. And to be serious and to respond to this wonderful invitation that has been extended. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you that you answered the prayer of your only begotten Son and opened up the way of salvation. Father, we thank you that you stirred the hearts of those around him at that time, that they would believe and that you have continued to do so to this present day. Father, we thank you that this invitation still stands and that we would consider it seriously. Lord, if we are travelling old ground, well, what good ground to go over again and to know of your amazing love and to experience your forgiveness and your mercy. And Lord, if we are still meddling with this, meddling with the temptations of this world, that we would heed the great invitation that has been extended and that we would repent and surrender all and trust Jesus with our every being. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace in Christ. Amen.